Blog Talk Radio. Psalm 82, a psalm of Asaph. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Well, hello again. This is uh, Kennard Levy Brown speaking. I'm your host for the Merciful Servants of God Biblical Instructional Program. I have to talk about Shavuot or Pentecost, which means 50. Uh, I need to explain what it represents. I know some people are celebrating Shavuot today. I know the Jews are celebrating it based on their their calendar. Also, those who are observing the new moon calendar, some are doing it on today. Others are going to be doing it next week. I'm not going to get into the controversy of calendar issues right now. I want us to focus more on the meaning of this day of Shavuot, whether you're celebrating it today or next Sunday. And so please hear me out. And uh, I'm, I'm going to explain what it means and why we should observe it. And so let's go to Leviticus chapter 23, verse 15 to 22. And ye shall count unto you from tomorrow after the Shabbat, from the day that you brought the sheaf of the wave offering. Now, it talks about a sheaf. What is a sheaf? Uh, what is that basically? Well, an omer or a sheaf is uh, some grains that were gathered up together. And uh, I'm getting this information from Israel's Feast and Their Fullness by Bate Wilton. Uh, it says, A literal sheaf speaks of a batch that is tied together, the wave sheaf that was presented to on Yom Habikarim, uh was called a nomer. Omer comes from Amar, which means to chastise as if piling blows to gather grain and the bind sheaf together. All right, so that's what a sheaf, an omer is and to get to Pentecost or Shavuot we have to count up to 50 and the first sheaf offering was a barley offering there's two first fruits offering during this time uh, during the Passover uh, the morrow after Shabbat is the barley offering sheaf offering and then later on which is either today for some people or next week uh, there's an offering uh, of wheat. And so you have a barley offering and you have a wheat offering, and they are both considered uh, first fruits. To simplify, the first fruits of the barley harvest was presented during the time of Passover, and the first fruits of the wheat harvest was presented at the time of Shavuot or Pentecost. All right, so let's continue on with this. Uh, Yah commands us, or the master commands us, ye shall bring out of your habitations two wave loaves of two tenth deals. They shall be of fine flour. They shall be baked with leaven. They are the first fruits unto the master. 
and you shall offer with the bread seven lambs without blemish of the first year. And so this is talking about the second first fruits offering, which is the wheat offering. And you shall offer with the bread seven lambs without blemish of the first year, and one young bullock and two rams. They shall be for a burnt offering unto the master with their meat, and that should be translated uh, grain offering, and their drink offerings, even an offering made by fire of sweet savor unto the master. Then you shall sacrifice one kid of the goats for a sin offering, and two lambs of the first year for a sacrifice of peace offerings. And the priest shall wave them with the bread of the first fruits for a wave offering before the master with the two lambs. They shall be holy to the master for the priest. And ye shall proclaim on the selfsame day that it may be a holy convocation, a holy assembly, a commanded meeting unto you. You shall do no so vile work therein. It shall be a statue forever in your dwellings throughout your generation. So wherever you're at around the world, we need to be celebrating this. And when you reap the harvest, and this is a very important part of Shavuot uh, that we need to understand. And when you reap the harvest of your land, thou shalt not make clear, clean riddance of the corners of thy field when you reapest. Neither shall thou gather thy gleaning of thy harvest. Thou shalt lead them unto the poor and to the stranger, for I am the master of your Yah. One of the reasons why the Jews read, and they recommend you read the book of Ruth during this time, because the book of Ruth was written during the time of the barley harvest. And um, Boaz, who became Ruth's uh, husband, gave considerably to Ruth during this particular period of time. So this is certainly, as all of Yah's holy days or more deems, they are times to give abundantly to your fellow neighbor or human being. Numbers chapter 28 for 26. Also in the day of first fruits or bickering, when you bring a new grain offering unto the master after your weeks be out, so this is talking about the second offering, the wheat offering, you shall have a, a holy assembly. You shall do no servile work therein. So this is in Numbers chapter 28, uh, verse 26. And so when you put the Messiah into this, though, what does this represent? What does the two loaves and, and, and the Messiah uh, represent? Okay, well, let's focus on the Messiah first because he's first, right? <laughs> well, the Father's first, he's second, but he's first as far as uh, humanity is concerned as, as being the ultimate man, the superman, okay? That's who he is, and so we need to focus on him. And so how does first fruits? how does that go back to him? Well, we have a scripture to prove that it does. And the first Corinthians, let's turn to first Corinthians chapter fifteen, verse twenty. It states, But now is Messiah risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. So he's the first of the first fruits. Alright, and in verse twenty three of first Corinthians fifteen, but every man in his own order, Messiah the first fruits, after they they that are Christ that is coming. So you have Messiah first, you have the first fruits, which he's a part of, second, and then you have other people. And so Bikarim or first fruits has something to do with the resurrection, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, that's a beautiful message about the resurrection, and I'm going to talk about that. Uh, but also, the first fruits represent the, the first of the believers. And that's us, those who are being called now to be his wife. Uh, Romans chapter 16, verse 5 states Likewise, the assembly that is in their house salute my well beloved who is the first fruit of Achaia unto Messiah. 
<clears throat> so we are considered first fruits in, in Romans 8, verse 23. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits, we have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to the redemption of our body. And so we are first fruits. James uh, 1, verse 18, of his own will begot he us with the word of truth. And that's how he begot us, through the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. And so we are the first fruits of his creatures. Uh, Israel is considered the first fruits of his increase. Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 3, Israel was holiness unto the master and the first fruits of his increase. And so if you have first fruits, of course, logically you'll have second fruits. And so we're just the first of the harvest that uh, that Yah is harvesting. And and we, one of the things that, that you need to understand when uh, and Jews traditionally, because uh, Shavuot happened around the time of the giving of Torah to a a big group through Moshe or Mose, Moses uh, back in Exodus, uh, that when they agreed that they would obey, that was like a ketubah or a marriage contract. And so right now we are betrothed uh, to him. We are betrothed, but we the marriage has not been consummated yet. But we are betrothed. We said that we would obey him of the contract of the ketubah or the marriage contract. And what are the terms of the contract? The terms of the contract are the commandments, all the Torah. That's that's, that's the terms of the con uh, of the contract. All right. So I'm hoping I'm, I'm helping giving you a clear vision of what Shavuot is all about. All right. So let's get to the concept of bikurim or first fruits again. Messiah represents the first fruits, and then of course his followers. Uh, represent the first fruits as well, uh, bikurim. And so there's two different types again. Let's go over this again. There's the barley harvest that happens right after Passover. And then also you have the wheat harvest, which happens. Uh, so there's two different first fruits. Uh, so I just want to point that out to you. So, um, so what's the, what's the significance of this? What does it mean? And why should we honor this day? Well, we should honor this day because first fruits has a lot to do with the repairing of humanity. Humanity should not be dying right now. The reason why we are dying, the reason why we... Um, do not have immortality in us. And there's a scripture that proves that. Uh, if we go to First uh, Timothy, First Timothy. So, you know, we don't have immortality yet. And, and, and some people, I, I think, I know some religions, I know the Catholic Church teaches that, that uh, we uh, already have immortality and we don't. First Timothy 6, verse 16. Uh, states here that the Father and the Son, you know, God himself, Elohim, only has immortality. It says right here in 1 Timothy 6, verse 15, which in his times he, he shall show who is the blessed and only Pontetet, the King of kings, the Master of masters. Uh, verse 16, who only have immortality dwelling in the light which no man can approach, whom no man has seen nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting. Amen. And so Shavuot addresses this big problem that 
every one of us have. Without him, without his power, we cannot obey him. And we, uh, without his spirit, can't be changed. Uh, and, and Romans chapter 8 tells us this. Romans chapter 8, and, and that spirit is the spirit of Torah, is the spirit of truth, ladies and gentlemen. It's the spirit. So we must have the spirit of Torah in us. Uh, in Romans 8, verse 7, this is the majority of humanity. This is how they think. Because the carnal mind is hostile against Yah, for it is not subject to the Torah of Yah, neither indeed can be. Verse 8, so then they that are in the flesh cannot please Yah. But you are in the flesh, but in the spirit, if so be that the spirit of Yah dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Messiah, he is not of his. That's, and, the, and the spirit of Messiah is the spirit of truth. If you don't believe me, let's turn to John 14, verse 17. John 14, verse 17. It says plainly that it is the spirit of truth. John 14, verse 16. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you a comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Verse 17. Even the spirit of truth. There we go. It's the spirit of truth. Truth is Torah. Psalm 119, 142. Uh, all the Torah is truth. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, the world can't receive it right now, but they will in the future. But only a select few, the first fruits, can receive it. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it sees him not, neither know of him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and shall be in you. And shall be in you. All right? And that's a very important scripture to understand. And John 15, verse 26 says, But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send, you from the Father, even the Spirit of Truth, which proceeds from the Father. So the Spirit of Torah, the Spirit of Truth, proceeds from the Father, and it testifies of Messiah. John 16, verse 13, Howbeit when he, the Spirit of Truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. I hear from, you know, said, oh, we have to wait for Messiah to come back. No, we don't have to wait for Messiah to come back. It says in verse 13, Howbeit when he, the Spirit of Messiah, is come, he will guide you into some truth? No, all truth. For he shall speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear that he shall speak, he will show you things to come. And so if you have the spirit of Torah, you will understand prophecy. He will show you the future, and you will understand the future. Thus says the Master. Thus says the Lord. That's what he says. And we must obey that. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, in verse 9, it says, But as it is written, I have not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which Yah has prepared for them that love him, but has revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yes, the deep things of God. So stop thinking that you cannot understand the deep things of God. God is telling you through the Apostle Shaul, who is part of the foundation of the Messiah. In Ephesians 2, verse 20, that you can understand the deep things of Yah. Verse 11, for what man knoweth the things of man, says the spirit of man which is in him, even so the things of Yah knoweth no man but the spirit of Yah. Verse 12, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which of us Yah. So I hope you understand what the spirit of the world is, is the spirit of the devil. You don't want to have that kind of spirit. But the spirit which is of Yah, that we might know the things that are freely, I love that word freely, freely given unto us of God. I don't sell any of my teachings because God doesn't. Verse 13, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Spirit teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Verse 14, but the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of Yah, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. 
Verse 15, but he that is spiritual judge of all things, yet he himself is judge of no man. Verse 16, for who hath known the mind of the master, that he may instruct him? So we can't instruct the master. How dare we even think so? But we have the mind of Messiah. And so if we have the spirit of Messiah uh, in us, which is also the spirit, the Ruach HaKadosh, of the Holy Spirit, if you don't believe me there, let's go to Romans chapter 8 for scriptural proof of that. Romans chapter 8, verse 9. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit of soul, be that the spirit of Yah dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Messiah, the spirit of Messiah is the spirit, is the Holy Spirit itself. It's not a third person. In the book of Revelation, the last chapter, it states plainly, let's go there, Revelation chapter 22, verse 1. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, symbolizing the Holy Spirit. Clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of Yah and the Lamb, the Lamb, who took away the sin of the world based on Yochanan, the immerser, John the Baptist, what he said in John 1, verse 29, ladies and gentlemen. And so, Pentecost, or Shavuot, has a lot to do with the giving of Torah, the giving of the Spirit, which without we cannot obey him. Acts chapter 2. Verse 1, and when the day of Shavuot, or Pentecost, came, they were at the temple. They were at the temple during this time, ladies and gentlemen. They were at the temple during this time. All right, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty men, and it, uh, mighty, not mighty men, mighty wind, and it filled all the house that they were sitting. Verse 3, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other languages, as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. And so these are Jews out of every nation under heaven. Verse 6, Now when this was noised about, the multitude came together, so they followed the commandment to assemble at Jerusalem back then, and were confounded because every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Behold, are not all these speaking? Galileans, how hear we every man in our own tongue where we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and dwellers in Mesopotamia and in Judea, which is the West Bank today, and Cappadocia, Cappadocia and Pontus and Asian and Perga and Paphilia, Paphilia in Egypt and in parts of Libya and Crete and strangers of Rome and Jews and proselytes, and those are people who were Gentiles or converted over to Jews, Cretes and Arabians. We do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of Yah, our God. Verse 12, And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, What, what is the meaning of this? Verse 13, Others mocking, saying, These men are full of new wine. And verse 14, And but Kepha, or, or Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, or the West Bank, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken unto my words. Verse 15, For these are not drunken, as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. Now, I want you to notice that these individuals were gathered all at Jerusalem, on Shavuot. This is prophecy. Verse 16. And this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Verse 17. And it shall come to pass in the last days. We are in the last days, ladies and gentlemen. The 21st century says, Yah, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Verse 18. And all my service and all my handmaidens I will pour out 
In those days, these days of the 21st century, and they shall prophesy, and I will show wonders in heaven, above and signs in the earth. Behold, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, and the moon into blood, before the great and notable day of the Master come. If you understand the book of Revelation, this is a description of the sixth seal. Let's go to Revelation chapter 6. Revelation chapter 6. The sixth seal has never happened before. All the other ones have, but the sixth seal has not happened before, ladies and gentlemen. Revelation chapter 6, verse 12. And I behold, when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood, and the stars of heaven fell into the earth. Even as a fig tree cast of her untimely figs, when she is shaken of a mighty wind, and the heaven departed as a scroll. Have you ever seen the heaven depart as a scroll yet? No. When it is rolled together and every mountain and island were moved out of their places, has that happened yet? No. That's going to happen in the future, ladies and gentlemen. And the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men and every bondman and every free man hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath has come. Who shall be able to stand? That day is coming soon. When I mean soon, 10, 15, 20, 30, I don't know. But I really believe it's going to come this century, ladies and gentlemen. And we need to take these words seriously. So let's go back to the famous prophecy in Job. And it, it says here, the famous prophecy in Job. If it's not famous, it should be famous. <laughs> and it says plainly, plainly, what happened and that this was related back then to the prophet. Joel and what he said in verse 17 of Acts chapter 2 and it shall come to pass in the last days says God now the last days began back in the first century but we're in our latter part of the last days so this is going to happen again prophecy is dual I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and of course he didn't pour out his spirit on all flesh back then but that's the totality of this that's the complete fulfillment of this prophecy that will occur I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh all mankind and your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, and on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven and signs in the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. So I just read you the, the sixth seal to tell you at the time of when this will occur. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and notable day of the Master come. Let's got through talking about Eliyahu. And he's going to come before the day of the Lord. And he's going to preach a message of family reconciliation. And because of that message, people will repent and they will receive Yah's spirit in these end times. And verse 20, and it shall come to pass that whoever shall call in the name of the master, Yahovah, shall be saved. And in verse 22, he says, ye men of Israel, hear these words, ye just, Yeshua of Nazareth, a man approved of God by miracles and wonders and signs, which Yah did by him in the midst of you, as you yourselves also know, and so forth. So he's talking about the fulfillment of that prophecy, and he commands people uh, to, uh, right here in verse 38 of Acts chapter 2, Then Kepha said unto them, Repent and be immersed, every one of you, in the name of Yeshua Messiah, for the remission and removal of sin, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 29, for the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as our masters shall call. So right now he's just calling the first fruits. He's calling the first fruits. 
Do you understand what I'm saying? He's calling you right now. Verse 41, then they that gladly receive his word were immersed, and the same day there were added about them 3,000 souls. All right, so he's telling us, he's telling us, ladies and gentlemen, for those who are, are being called to repent of your sins and to accept Yeshua Messiah. We, we have to do that, ladies and gentlemen, and that's what Shavuot ultimately represents. It represents repenting. So you can receive the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Torah, as you can uh, obey that, uh, that Torah so that you can be changed and have a powerful spiritual body in the future. And the role of Messiah on this earth, that's what that pictures. It pictures that, ladies and gentlemen. pictures the, the marriage, uh, eventually the marriage, the consummation of Messiah and his beautiful bride. And of course I'm talking in a spiritual way. And uh, in, in Revelation chapter 19, Revelation chapter 19, verse 7, it says, Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the ma master has come, and his wife has made herself ready, has made herself ready. And so we have to make ourselves ready. And we have to make ourselves ready. we got some work to do. In verse 8, And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. And we go to the book of Revelation, and this program may go slightly over. I apologize, but hey, I try to get it right. <laughs> so let's get back to the concept of first fruits. You understand first fruits are Israel, okay? And and in Revelation chapter um, 7, there's the sealing of the 144,000, which the Bible defines as the uh, servants of God, and they are the children of Israel, Okay? Uh, in Revelation 7, verse 1, And after these things I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, all across the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. And this is after the sixth seal has been opened. Verse 2, And I saw another angel ascending from the east, having a seal of the living God, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to the four angels to whom was given to hurt the earth and the sea, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. And so one definition of the 144,000, they are the servants of our God. And in verse 4, here's another definition. And I heard the number of them which were sealed. <clears throat> they were sealed 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel. And so the 144,000 are the servants of God, and they also are of all the tribes of Israel. Okay? And that's why it's important to understand who they are, which is a future broadcast. All right, so, but that's not all. We also have the great multitude, the great multitude uh, also uh, going to um, make it as well. And so, but the 144,000 are defined in the Bible as the first fruits. Uh, Revelation chapter 14, verse 1, And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on Mount Zion, and with him 144,000, having uh, their father's name written in their foreheads. The same 144,000 talked about in Revelation chapter 7, verse 2, And I heard a voice from heaven. As the voice of many waters, as the voice of a great thunder, and I heard the voice of harpers harping with their harps, and they sung, as it were, a song before the throne and before the four beasts and the elders, and no man could learn that song but the 144,000, which were redeemed from the earth. These are they which were not defiled with women, for they are virgins, for they are which follow the Lamb wherever he goes, they were redeemed from among men. They are the bikarim, the first fruits of, unto God and to the Lamb. And that's very important to understand that. Uh, in light of that prophecy in Joel. Let's go back to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. 
the prophecy in Joel about the first fruits, and we are the first fruits. We are the first fruits, ladies and gentlemen. And and we read this prophecy that he quoted, Kepha. It's very important to understand. It's very important to understand this prophecy. Acts chapter two. Actually, I'm going to go back to the actual prophecy because he did not talk about. Um, he talked about. He talked about uh, Zion. No, he did not. All right, so let me go to Joel, chapter two, and uh, this program is going to go slightly over here, uh, one minute and twelve seconds. So, um, what I'm going to do though, um, I'm going to go ahead and uh, play a short message here, and I'll be right back. Well, actually, no, I'm not going to do that right now. I'm going to continue on with the uh, study, and um, but this program is going to go off the air in a few minutes, and uh, you will uh, actually be able to access it in the archives in the next thirty to uh, 45, maybe an hour after I get done, okay? All right, so let's go to the book of Joel here. Joel chapter 2. It's very important to understand this prophecy here. Uh, Joel, and this is what uh, Kepha, or Peter, quoted. Joel 2, verse 28. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit, and I will show wonders in the heaven and the earth. This is the sixth seal, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood. That's the sixth seal. Before the great and terrible day of the master come. And verse 32, And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the master shall be delivered. And this is physical deliverance. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, and where was the apostles at that time? They were at Jerusalem. All right, they were at Jerusalem. This is going to happen again in the future, ladies and gentlemen. This is a future prophecy. This is a, something about Shavuot that needs to be preached. Shavuot also represents a time when the 144,000 will be protected, the Great Tribulation, ladies and gentlemen. And, and, and the 144,000 uh, will be protected. And also there's another group, the woman. They will also be protected from the devastation that will come upon the earth. And Joel chapter 2, verse 31, The sun shall be t- turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and terrible day of the Master come. And, and of course, at this time, Eliahu will be on the scene because he's going to also come before the great and terrible day of the Lord, and he will be preaching to people to repent and to come out of Babylon, to come out of Babylon, all right? Uh, the physical, not the physical Babylon in Iraq, the physical Babylon in the United States, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. There's no other country that represents Babylon other than us. There's no doubt about that. Um, Joel 2, verse 32, And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the master shall be delivered, for in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance. That's physical deliverance, as the master has said, and the remnant whom the master shall call. So at this time, around the time of the sixth seal, Okay, when you understand it, the sixth seal to the fourth trumpet happens before the Great Tribulation. During that time, there will be devastation. But Yah is going to get us out, those who are worthy to escape all these things. He did say there are a group of people that are worthy to escape all these things. And I certainly hope I'm one of them, and I hope, I'm surely, I, I, I know that you hope and you're listening to me that you're one of them as well. But he's going to provide protection, just like he provided protection 
for his people, uh, our ancestors. Got them out of Egypt, which is a type of Babylon. He's going to get us out of Babylon, and we have to have the faith to move when Eliyahu and some other prophets tell us it's time to go because it's not time to go yet. But he tells us to come out of Babylon. This, this is another study that I'm going to do, but I'm telling you the truth about this, that we uh, will be. There is a place for the woman to go to to be protected. Uh, these are the, This place is for those who are worthy to escape all these these, these things. And that is found in Luke chapter 21, uh, verse 36. Watch ye therefore and pray always that you may be kind of worthy to escape all these things. And 144,000 is going to escape it because they're not going to be harmed. They're going to be miraculously protected. But there's also another group that's going to be protected. And they are going to be put in a specific place. And I want to be either the 144,000 or this woman. I don't want to have to be one of the ones that's going to get his head cut off because there's going to be people that are going to get their head cut off that's going to make it. But I prefer not to get my head cut off. <laughs> so, uh, and I'm sure you do too. And Revelation chapter 12 states plainly, um, and I and there appeared a great wonder in heaven, this is verse 1, and, and a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and upon her head a crown of 12 stars, and she being with child cried, travailing in birth and pain to be delivered. And there appeared... Another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his head. This is the devil. Verse 4, and his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast into the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered, but to devour her child as soon as it was born. And she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up into Yah, into his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness, where she has a place prepared for Yah, that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and three score days and it talks about the war in heaven michael and his angels fought against the dragon and the dragon fought and his angels and prevailed not neither was their place found anymore in heaven it's going to happen before the tribulation and the great dragon was cast out that old serpent called the devil and hasatan which deceived the whole world he was cast out into the earth and his angels were cast out with him verse 10 and i heard of loud voices saying in heaven now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our yah and the power of his Messiah, for the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our Yah day and night. So right now, Hasatan, the devil, is in heaven accusing me and other folks that are trying the best they can to obey the Torah. Verse 11, And they overcame him by the blood of the Master, and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives until the death. And so they were willing to sacrifice their lives. And that's the way. We must be willing to sacrifice our lives as well. Verse 12 of Revelation chapter 12. Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe unto the inhabitants, or great sorrow to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. For the devil has come upon you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he has but a short time. And when the dragon saw that he was cast into the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness, and to her place. So the woman has a specific place. It's not place, it's a place where she was nourished for a time, times, and a half a time, three and a half times, three and a half years from the face of the serpent. Verse 15, And the woman cast out of his mouth waters of flood after the woman, that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. And the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon cast out of his mouth. And the dragon was angry with the woman and went make the war with the remainder of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Yeshua Messiah. That's talking about the 144,000, obviously, uh, that he's going to go after. All right, and they're going to be protected because they keep the commandments of God 
and they have the testimony of Yeshua Messiah. They can't have the testimony of Yeshua Messiah unless they are truly the servants of Elohim, ladies and gentlemen. So that is the truth of that. All right, so um, those who were last days ago about their spirituality uh, can make it because in Revelation chapter 20, what does it say? In Revelation chapter 20, verse 1, And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and the great chain in his hand, and he laid hold unto the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil, and Hasatan, and bound him a thousand years, and cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal upon him, that he should deceive the nations no more, till the thousand years should be finished or fulfilled, and after that he must be loosed a little season. Verse 4, And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them, and I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Messiah. And so this is going all the way back, all the way back, even during Tanakh times, because the Bible in First Peter states plainly that even the prophets had the spirit of Messiah. And so some were beheaded for the witness of Messiah. And it's going to be talking about those that are in the tribulation also that will be beheaded. Some will not take the mark, and they will be beheaded. They will be beheaded for that. And for the word of God, and but they'll still make it, which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received a mark on his foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Messiah a thousand years. So this, these are the first fruits of the resurrection. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection, or the bickering. That was Messiah's resurrection. It was a bickering resurrection. It's the first fruit resurrection. Verse 6, Blessed and holy is he that had part in the first or bickering resurrection, on such that the second death have no power, but they shall be priests of Yah, and of Messiah, and shall reign with him. They'll have royalty, kingship with him, and they shall reign with him a thousand years. All right, so I hope you understand the significance of the first fruits in reference to the resurrection. Uh, there's going to be a group of people who first understood the gospel, and that, my friends, is us, okay? And we... And it says right here in Ephesians 1, verse 13, And whom you also trust after you heard the word, the gospel, and whom you, that you have believed were sealed with the Holy Spirit promise. Okay, so he is finding a wife. He's looking for a wife first, ladies and gentlemen. He's looking for a wife. And once that wife becomes, uh, the, the marriage relationship becomes um, consummated, which is located uh, where that's going to happen in Revelation chapter 19, and then we will focus on the second fruits, <laughs> the rest of humanity, the rest of humanity, ladies and gentlemen. So this is a wonderful story of how God is going to, uh, <clears throat> how he's going to save humanity, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, his goal is to save, the, save all of humanity. Of course, there's going to be some that are not going to... Uh, get it and, and don't want to get it. But the majority of mankind, uh, I believe, the scriptures indicate, will be saved. All right, so, and, and that's that's the good news. That's the good news. And to prove that, Romans chapter 8, let's turn it, Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Um, Actually, Romans chapter 5, I'm sorry. Romans chapter 5, verse 19, states plainly, For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. And so that's indicating a, a, a 
vast majority of people will ultimately be saved, ladies and gentlemen. So that, that this is the message of Pentecost. This is the message of Pentecost um, that God has a plan, and his plan is to open the door of immortality for humanity that was closed because of what happened in the garden. And Messiah, through his Holy Spirit, will enable mankind to be repaired. And so mankind can start to obey him and start to become his children, his literal children that obey him instead of being his disobedient children. So that that is the that is the truth, ladies and gentlemen. We are the first fruits. We are the first to understand these things. James one verse eighteen of his own will he begot us with the word of truth that we should be kind of first fruits of his creatures. We are the first fruits of those who truly want to believe him. That's what Shavuot also represents, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, it, it represents that. So I just wanted to explain that to you. And Ephesians 1, verse 2, I was looking for this scripture, and here it is. Uh, we are the bickering of those who first believe him. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 12, it says, actually in verse 10, Ephesians 1, verse 10, that in the dispensation of fullness of times he might gather together in one, all things in Messiah, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, in him. Verse 11, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Messiah. Verse 13, in whom you also trusted after that you heard the word of truth. You're hearing the word of truth right now through one of his servants, me. The gospel of your salvation in whom you also, that you believe, were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Of promise, ladies and gentlemen. And what is the promise? Do you know what the promise is? In First John chapter 2, verse 25, the promise is, uh, actually, let me go to the context here, First John 2, verse 24, let that therefore abide in you which you have heard from the beginning, if that which you have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, you also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he has promised us, eternal life. So that's the promise, eternal life, ladies and gentlemen, eternal life. That's what he has promised us, an eternal inheritance, eternal life. And so I hope you understand the significance of Shavuot, why we should celebrate it. Uh, it pictures the giving of Torah. More importantly, though, it pictures this, the giving of the spirit of Torah, which in Ezekiel 36 tells us plainly that the Spirit enables us to keep the commandments, ladies and gentlemen. In verse, Ezekiel 36, verse 26. Well, actually, this is what it pictures here. Ezekiel 36, verse 25. Then I will sprinkle clean water upon you. Well, actually, verse 24. Uh, Ezekiel 36, verse 24. For I will take you from among the heathen and gather you out of all the countries and will bring you into your land then I will sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean from all your filthiness and from all your idols. Will I cleanse you? A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. Verse 27, I will put my spirit within you and cause you and influence you mightily. 
to walk in my statutes, and you shall keep my judgment and do them. And do them. And so that's what it pictures, the power to obey him, the power to understand what family is, the power to uh, have a spirit of reconciliation between father and son and, and parents and their children. That's what Shavuot is all about, ladies and gentlemen. And it pictures the salvation of humanity through the Messiah because he is the first fruits. He is the first fruits resurrection of many. So, may Yah bless and keep you, and may Yah bless you with his Ruach HaKadosh, the Holy Spirit. Shalom. Peace. And I'm going to have you listen to a little message, two messages. Shalom. The Master commands us all to give. Give, and it will be given to you. They will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. This is found in Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Let the elders who perform the duties of their office well be considered double worthy of honor and of adequate financial support, especially those who labor faithfully in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox, when it is treading out the grain, and again, the laborer is worthy of his hire. This is found in Deuteronomy 25, verse 4, Luke 10, verse 7, and 1 Timothy 5, verse 17 to 18. Preaching and teaching is hard work. It is a challenge to consistently produce radio programs, produce videos, write articles, and manage an assembly or church. All of my teachings are free. However, I would appreciate it very much if you give to this ministry. God commands us to ask to receive. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. To give to the Merciful Servants of God ministry, then go to www.mercifulservantsofgod.com. That's www.mercifulservantsofgod.com and click the yellow donate button. May the Master bless you and keep you. Malachi chapter 4 For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse.